Hello and welcome back to the Impulse Football Podcast with your host, Matty Reid. And I'm thankfully joined by my two guests this week, Richard Horswell. Welcome, Rich. Thanks for having me. It seems to be a common theme with you popping back up. I've had a few more comments of uh, people saying that you're putting them to sleep, but we all decided that was actually quite a nice comment. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, it's good, it's good bedtime listening. I agree, I agree. And I've always said you're a good bedtime listen. (laughs) Uh, And we've also got one of the guests, uh, the other guest that we had last week in Kieran Webb. Welcome, Kizza. Thanks for having me back. Good. And similarly, you've had some very good feedback as well. Um, Slightly better than the other member that we had last week who (laughs) does not make a reappearance this week. Uh, one, One specific listener saying this bloke sounds like he's dead and that's just allowed Rich to call him the Undertaker all week which I think is hilarious Harrison been cold I would like to also point out that Harrison got a lot of good feedback also but just these one or two people just mentioned it he may uh, may talk a bit uh, in one tone but anyway are you, are enough you of that Can a political feed really that was very diplomatic you're going to be yeah well I'm just trying to be I'm just trying to be uh, kind to, to the guy but uh, no, he's a, he's a good lad, but um, his views his views on Chelsea and Mendy potentially being the best keeper in the world uh, may be disproven uh, over the weekend, I believe. But there we go. We'll get on to that and we'll talk about some football before we uh, before we insult any more people. So, as always, we'll start with a little roundup of the weekend just gone. Uh, what, what we think was good, what we think was not so good, who do we think stuck out, and who we. Who we thought um, were a bit underachieving. So, Rich, I'll come to you first. Talk to me. What have you got for me? Um, I really enjoyed the Newcastle Man City game on Sunday. I thought Man City did well to come back, and they're obviously a very good team. But I thought Newcastle was superb. Um, so Max Man in particular was absolutely blistering on the counter attack. Um, I think we said on week one that Newcastle would be a team that could surprise a few people and I think they're proving us right they look a very very good side yeah I'm not going to take too much credit but I did call it you can refer me back to podcast one where I said that Newcastle would take points off some of the larger teams this year and already proven in the fact that they've taken two points off City and actually you could say that they actually dropped two points in because they were looking class and looking like they were going on to win Unfortunately, got pegged back to three apiece. But as you say, you you mentioned Alan Sir Maximan, and from all accounts, he was he he had one of the best performances from a wide player in a, in a long while, um, and that's against potentially or arguably the best team in the in the world, really. Um, so yeah, I've I've heard good things about him, uh, but I agree that Newcastle um, this year potentially could could finish sort of top six, top seven, and they've obviously signed. Um, the, the the guy yesterday, uh, Isaac or Isaac or however you say his name, but looks looks like a good a good addition to the side. So they're only trying to strengthen. Uh, but yeah, I agree with Newcastle. Have you got anyone who you thought underachieved? And well, I can guess who this may be. <laughs> well, it pains me, but West Ham were obviously rock bottom at the moment. Not scored a goal, which obviously is a bit of a concern. Um, I mean, Man City, when we played Man City, you thought, they're a good side, you can let them off that. Nottingham Forest, I felt we played well, we were actually lucky, but on on Sunday I was there and we just weren't good enough. I mean, Brighton are a very good side, play some very good football. Really love Grant Potter, the way he's got them playing. 
um, and Brighton are our bogey team. We have never beaten, beaten them in the Premier League. We have got a terrible record against them. But they are a very good side. Our players deserve to beat us. Um, but hopefully West Ham can only get better from here. Well, that's what I'm hoping anyway. We've got hopefully a couple of new signings in the works. Um, but yeah, it, it looks like we've got a couple of players who aren't the players they used to be. I mean, hopefully they proved me wrong, but I'm not convinced by Suchek this season so far, or Creswell so far. Um, uh, I don't... You... You can't disc- No, you can't. You can't go after Aaron Cresswell, isn't it? It's legend. <laughs> well, he's got to prove me wrong. Well, yeah, as you say, you hope that it can get better, and you say it can't get worse. And I, I agree. I don't think it can get a lot worse for a team who we had high hopes for at the start of the season. They haven't even scored a goal, and and as you say, they've played City, they've played Forest, and they've played Brighton. It's not quite as hard to start as some. I mean, there's three three tricky games, but every game in the Premier League is going to be tricky. But to not score a goal after three games is, is concerning. And, and you know, uh, obviously, as West Ham fans, I'm assuming that hopefully it will, uh, well, your luck will change at some point and, and it will take one goal and you'll, you'll be back to where, where you know you can be. But, yeah, I agree with it. West Ham obviously struggling. Um you mentioned Brighton and I, I, I've been a huge admirer of Graham Potter saw his managerial skills um, as early as Ostrasunas and I think he's a class manager and actually depending on what happens at the World Cup <clears throat> over the Christmas period I wouldn't be surprised if uh, Graham Potter's the favourite or potentially the next England manager and I would certainly be in support of that uh, going forward but yeah um, I, agree with, I agree with everything you said Kieran what have you got for me? Who who have you been impressed by? I've, who have you not been impressed by? So I think after a shocking start to the season, I think the standout performance this, this weekend was well, well, Monday night was Man United. I think the way I think everyone was expecting a reaction from the players, given it's a derby and the start they've had. But what, watching the way they passed the ball around early and the, the, the way they built up to the Sancho goal was just it was class football and it left Van Dijk just stood there like in shock really. Yeah, I agree, and and it's interesting. Like, I've always I've always classed Man United as a bit of a bizarre side. When you just think they can't get any lower, suddenly they pull out a performance like this, <laughs> and to do it against a team of Liverpool's quality. I know that Liverpool are missing a few players, some through suspension or one main one through suspension, and quite a lot through injury. But <clears throat> even so, you would expect that Liverpool would turn up better than what they did. Um, as as you said, I didn't see the first half an hour. But um, from all accounts, they were class United, and and notably Maguire was dropped to the bench, and so was Ronaldo. Martinez played, um, a, you know, a lot better than probably what we're used to. And interestingly, I think uh, it's probably the perfect game for him to play because uh, United uh, were able to defend sort of on the ground a lot more. They weren't being bombarded with the long ball and Martinez's uh, aerial ability wasn't tested so I think it will have trickier games but it was probably nice for him to uh, to have a good game like that and uh, I agree I think United is I'm not still convinced by United and they have to do a lot more to convince me but I think uh, that's obviously a good sign I think Liverpool are in a bit of trouble and I've already seen a few messages flying around that a few of their fans are a bit disgruntled so we'll have to see how they kick on I was impressed by Southampton's performance, actually. Turn around uh, to win 2-1. Shea, Shea Adams with a brace. And then I think he also got a brace in the cup during the week. 
Um, and hopefully, because there was a bit of a few rumours flying around that um, that some of the players have turned on the manager, and hopefully uh, they'll kick on and, and continue. So yeah, no, some good performances. I think Arsenal played really well. Obviously, uh, playing away to to Bournemouth, um, Odegaard, Jesus, Saliba's goal, class. So yeah, no, I think overall quite a good weekend of football, really. And and there's obviously a few talking points, but. Overall, pretty good. You haven't mentioned Spurs, Kieran. Have you, got, have you had any it's, it's, feedback it's from how Spurs played? I think uh, it's a weekend. Spurs have gone under the radar a bit. Just a, a 1-0 win against Wolves. Perhaps, well, I think it was a gritty 1-0. It wasn't a game that Spurs played particularly well in. And obviously, Wolves struggled to score goals. But at the same time, I, I think Wolves will be a team that can take points off some of the bigger teams this year. And I think it, it's a game we didn't win last year at home. There's a gritty three points and we haven't played particularly well picked up so just on to the next one really with Spurs good yeah no, and as you say it doesn't necessarily always matter about how you acquire those three points as you saw with when, when Spurs played Chelsea the week before you know uh, they didn't play particularly well secured a point doesn't matter how they secured that point they've got that point and arguably they probably should have got that point but uh, they, they take the point and move on but I think and unfortunately, Harrison isn't here to defend the corner. But <laughs> Chelsea, talk to me, Richard. Talk to me about Chelsea. What went wrong? Everything. I mean, I, I sat here on, on week one and said that I thought Mendy was up there with Addison and Edison. And I would like to apologise for that based on what I saw. Um, <laughs> he, he wasn't good enough. Um, I, I do sympathise with him a little bit because it can happen to any goalkeeper. He got caught on the ball. It was a bad first touch and he just got caught out, didn't it? Um, it is one of those things. It, it wasn't great, but I, he was not the first goalkeeper that will do it and he won't be the last. No, and I think you're right. It doesn't mean he's a bad goalkeeper, but you know, ultimately it cost them the goal and they went on to lose. I think... Kuda Bali's gone from hero to zero in, in a matter of weeks, scores an absolute stunner against Spurs and then gets sent off. Um, again, doesn't make him a bad defender as such, but um, maybe just a bit of naivety and getting getting sort of, uh, or accumulating maybe too many fouls. Gave the referee no choice but to send him off. So, be interesting to see how they kick on. Obviously, they're linked with Pierre-Emerick uh, Aubameyang. Not sure he's necessarily the character you need at the Chelsea at the moment. Um he may prove me wrong and he may score those goals for Chelsea but um, Chelsea certainly look like they're short of a few goal scorers um, their business is interesting they sign a lot of defenders um, but don't seem to want to sign many attackers and when you've got a pair of Kai Havertz and Raheem Sterling as your front two doesn't, as a defensive unit it wouldn't strike loads of fear into me so I'm not sure what they'll do I'm sure they'll probably have to sign a centre forward before the end of the window but <clears throat> that'll be interesting I think but yes so uh, what do we uh, what do we think about the sort of the week coming up who have West Ham got for the weekend Rich uh, we are away to Aston Villa which will be an interesting game um, obviously both teams not necessarily in the best of form. Aston Villa put basically a first team out um, during the week in the in the cup and won, I believe. 
Um, but that'll be a big game for both sides in, in trying to get a three points and move up the league, I guess. And who have Spurs got, Kieran? Uh, in my opinion, a very tricky away trip to Forest at the city ground. The team that have signed nearly 900 players, so anything <laughs> could happen. Exactly. Um, although Including I, this I, week, a Spurs reject in Sergio. Oh, and and again, on his day, he's he's had some good games. He so. Has. It would be just Spurs' luck for him to pop up and have a and have a yeah. goal. Or, he, or, he does score yeah. some worldies sometimes, so I, I will see it happen probably. <laughs> he, also, yeah. he also gets sent off a lot. Yeah, he could easily give us a penalty, which I will not be complaining about. No, agreed. And and um, I'd just like to also have a little shout-out for, for some of those other listeners who aren't Premier League fans at Ipswich at Top League One. Um, and we've got Barnsley at home Saturday, 3 o'clock. Um, hopefully that we'll be able to uh, continue our unbeaten start to the season in the league um, and I know that Kieran wants Ipswich to make their way to the Premier League so he can uh, come to the fortress that is Portman Road to see Spurs <laughs> grind out a nil-nil <laughs> but anyway that is uh, all good stuff so our first topic this week and it is an interesting one because I don't think there's a definite answer to it who do we think are the main candidates to be the first manager sacked? Now, I had a little bit of a, of, a, of a look just at the odds just briefly before this, just to sort of get a gauge of what, what the bookies are thinking. And I'd be interested to see what you boys think. So um, I would like you to come up with a few names of people who you think might be in the mix. And then I want one definitive answer about who you're putting on the liners, who you think will be the first manager sacked this season. Kieran, I'm going to come to you first. Few names, right? I think. Oh, I think the standout one would be Brendan Rodgers. The way Leicester started, very poor. Obviously, struggling behind the scenes with players that want to leave, Telemans and Fofana. Uh, another one. It's got. It's got to be Frank Lampard. Uh, he, I don't know how he managed to keep him up last year, and the starts this season yeah, isn't looking good for them again. And then the third name I'd give is another youngish manager from midfield, Steven Gerrard. Again, some of Villa's performances just aren't convincing. Yeah, and to put out your your main starting eleven for the cup tie against Bolton to just yeah. get some confidence in the players. No, absolutely. I think I think they're all names uh, that I've sort of had a little think about. I, I again, I'm not going to take credit too much, but at the start of the season, I said Leicester would struggle this year. Said with the um, lack of signings, with the players potentially leaving, as you identified, Tiedemann, Fafana, uh, there's still talk that James Madison could leave, and they haven't replaced them. Uh, the keeper in Kasper Schmeichel leaving, and they haven't really replaced him with a top quality stopper. So I, I, I agree. I think Brendan Rodgers, um, I'm a big fan of Brendan Rodgers, and I think he's, I actually like the way he comes across in interviews, and I think, you know, he seems like quite a calm and quite a likeable individual, but. Uh, I, I could see him being sacked. I agree. Um, Stephen Gerrard's uh, percentages are are poor. There's no two ways about it, and I think he gets away with um, gets away from that because of his legendary status as a, as a player. But his that's poor. Frank Lampard again. I'm not going to say it again, but Everton were another team that I predicted to struggle. No striker, um, losing some players, and Lampard hasn't got the experience necessarily to deal with a dressing room where it's going wrong you know Derby he, he took over and, and got them to the playoffs and at Chelsea they, they performed well but it's interesting now to see how he deals with a dressing room that are struggling for confidence struggling for men uh, and struggling for wins so I'll be interested by that 
Um, I still think, unfortunately, for you, Rich, I think that uh, Moyes could be in with a shout, unfortunately. Um, and I, again, I, I think he's a, he's, he comes across as a great manager and a great man manager and a great man. But ultimately, it's a result-driven business, and I wouldn't be surprised if he, um, if he, if he was in the reckoning. Um, and and just a little interesting one for me was um, was Jurgen Klopp. Now, do we generally think Jurgen Klopp's got a genuine chance of leaving or slash being sacked uh, this year? Be interested to what you think is to that. Do you think Jurgen Klopp's got a chance at this moment in time? I'd be a, like not a chance at this moment in time, in my opinion. You just, don't, so you don't just, think don't the know. results continue? A little bit of frustration. A few of his interviews recently have been a bit salty. Yeah, yeah. Um, he does have a seventh season curse with his clubs as well. I saw that the other day. Every seventh season he's had at a club has gone horrifically wrong for him. And this is his seventh at Liverpool. So could that be something? Well, absolutely. Absolutely. I, I, I mean, still in the odds, he's he's third, uh, well, the, the third least favourite to be sacked at 40 to 1. Uh, he's actually he's actually uh, tied with Antonio Conte at 40 to 1 and Graham Potter at 40 to 1. The only two managers that... Um, that are even less likely to leave are uh, Mikel Arteta at sixty-six to one, and Pep Guardiola at sixty-six to one. Um, fortunately, or as we identified, the three that you've sort of suggested—Brendan Rodgers, Frank Lampard, and Steven Gerrard—lead betting. Um, Brendan Rodgers actually uh, is actually odds-on to be the first sacked um, at thirteen to eight on, and Frank Lampard and Steven Gerrard are both five to one. Um, Rich, what do you think? Who do you think could potentially be in the mix? Um, I agree with a lot of, a lot of the names that have been said. Frank Lampard, Brendan Rodgers, Stephen Gerrard. Um, there's a couple more I'd like to throw in there. Scott Parker, Bournemouth, Bournemouth might struggle. And Steve, we put Nottingham Forest, because I, I just feel like Nottingham Forest have thrown a lot of money yeah, I think that's an interesting one, and it's one I hadn't thought about. Um, Steve Cooper uh, at the moment finds himself at fourteen to one to be the first uh, manager sacked in the Premier League. Funny enough, saying that he also finds himself at fourteen to one to be the next England manager. So it's remarkable about how these odds can work out. And actually, um, the job that he did in taking Forest from the Championship when they were languishing at the bottom to then getting promoted and then going to the Premier League and 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 getting to there is actually remarkable. However, I do agree. I think I've seen it first time with Ipswich. When you have a big turnover of players, it can go one of two ways. It can take time for players to gel and will managers in the Premier League be given time for that to happen and results to be to be not how they should be and I believe it won't be I think it's cutthroat business so I could see that happening um, and you also said who was the other manager you identified? Uh, Scott Parker Scott Parker at 12-1 to 1 as well and I think Fulham have started um, or Bournemouth. sorry Bournemouth have started quite well um, but again it, all it takes is four, five, six results going you know against them and you know, it could it could be a different a different story. I mean, Bournemouth's main ambition is to stay up in the league. 
So that he's not going to get judged on games against Arsenal and so forth. He'll be judged on those results, how he wins home games in particular, I imagine, against some of those teams in round that. So it's probably like a little bit of a mini league. He's not going to be judged about getting beaten by Arsenal, beaten by City, beaten by Spurs. He will be getting judged on how he performed against Everton, Villa, Southampton, so on and so forth. So again, yeah, it could be interesting, but <clears throat> I um, I'll be interested by that. And as, just a, as a quick note, we're talking about um, Graham Potter. He's currently three to one to be the next England manager. So I wasn't too far off with my prediction that he uh, potentially could could be the next manager. Who do we think managerial-wise this year in the Premier League has started well? And I think, for me, there's two obvious names. Um, Arteta has started well, and there's no two ways about it. Only team that are free from free. And also, um, the Leeds manager, Mark. I don't think you can argue with that either. Um, for, a, for a manager who was nearly relegated last year to start the way they have, losing arguably their best player in Rafinha... I think that's quite a good Im- sort of impressive start. But what do you think? Uh, what do you think, Rich? Um, I mean, I agree with the two you've named. Arteta, I think Arsenal playing some very good football at the moment. Um, the other one I would say is Conte. I think, well, I'd be interested, interested to hear Kira's opinion on it, but I think he's a very good manager. And Tottenham look, Tottenham look a good side now. What I was about to say, if you came to me, I was going to say, I think it'd be harsh to look past Conte. Having played three games, we've played uh, to start three games this season. With three games, we've got zero points from last season. So I have seven, I think it's a good great start to the season from Conte, in my opinion. Yeah, although I'm not going to call you biased, but I think you would look at it as your, like objectively for your own team. But I do agree that uh, Spurs have started really well. Um, And I, I... I, I know you showed me during the week the uh, the reports or the, the letters written by both managers from the Chelsea <laughs> Spurs game, and I think they're hilarious. So, for that, he gets plus, plus marks. Conte replied in Italian. <laughs> yes, exactly. Like, like that's a, that's like a rare occasion for him. But, um, no, like that, that gives me plus marks because of his because of his behaviour there. So, yeah, no, I've been impressed with those as well. But, yeah, no, interesting. And this is always something we can refer back to um, in the coming weeks as to how this unfolds. I think, remarkably, none of us, and we've we've all sort of named two or three, none of us I've have said I've 10 got another one. Go I on. think uh, Potter as well. What could get sacked? He, no, oh, I thought we were saying... Oh, no, I thought you were... Yeah, yeah, yeah. Potter, yeah, no, well... No, no. I thought I thought you had just suddenly no, 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 no. had a realization that Potter was going to be the <laughs> next one sacked. No, uh, yeah, I agree. Potter's been class, and we've identified him as I said just previously that you know he's a he's a quality manager with um, to do what he's doing with the Brighton side is class. But what I was going to say was, remarkably, none of us have said anything about Ten Hag, and would that have been different had they not won against uh, United on Monday? Quite potentially. If they then don't win for the next two or three, Ten Hag's odds come in again. And I think he's he's got every chance to be the first one sacked. So out of all of the managers, he would be the one I would have a little cluster on because I think he's suddenly gone out to 12s to 14 to 1 because he's winning against United uh, against Liverpool. Sorry, but all it takes is one or two, three bad results again. He's back into three to one, four to one. So yeah, Ten Hag, I still think, um, you know, can't be looking, can't be. Can't be getting too far ahead of himself, but yeah, it'll be interesting to see how it all unfolds in the coming weeks. 
lovely stuff. Now, our second topic, and something I've thought about a lot, and I know that I featured on a, on a, on a friend's podcast last year and they were discussing this, but I'm actually going to open up a little bit more and the two guests don't actually know uh, that I'm going to do this, but I'm going to ask two questions. Question number one, I want um, favourite club moment from whoever you want, whether it want to be your own team or whether you want it to be, you know, it could be the, the City last minute Aguero, if, if you so wanted. But favourite club moment and favourite international moment. And I think for international, there's probably a few uh, consistent choices across the three of us, but club moment uh, will be interesting. So I'm going to come to you, Rich, first. On your favourite club moment first, please. Um, There's kind of two club moments that kind of stick in my mind really so if it's all right i'll give them both so Go on. i'll allow it so the first one and this is partly to piss off kira um, yeah. I, I unfortunately i wasn't there because it was because of the whole COVID situation it was behind closed doors but manuel lanzini last minute equalizer against tottenham was unbelievable and i remember being in my living room i went absolutely mental it was we were three 0 down with about ten minutes left, and Tottenham do what Tottenham do, completely folded. Harsh, harsh. And then top corner. Um, um, yeah, no, I I remember that amazingly well because so I just right, come yeah. off the golf course, and uh, we were on the golf course. And we saw that you uh, that Spurs are three 0 up, ten minutes to go, and then we saw it was three one as we got into the clubhouse. And we, oh well, at least I got conversations. Then we saw three two, and we we're like, oh, this could be a nervy last few minutes. And then we were sat in the bar with a whole bunch of West Ham fans on one side of us and a whole bunch of um, Spurs fans on the other side of us. And we had to clear the premises quickly because I thought there was going to be a scrap about to unfold when that went in the top bins. Uh, I've never seen jubilation like it from one side and despair from the other side. And I think that just sums up football. Um, It was remarkable. I think even Kira's got to appreciate what a great goal that was. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. It was great. Good job. Kira's doing sad. I do, I, I do, I do try not to, I do try to not remember games like that. <laughs> but I agree, um, especially as a as a neutral, that was amazing. But I could only imagine what it would be like if that was a team that you supported. So, yeah, I completely um, buy into that one. And you said you had two. What was the other one? My other moment, so obviously with the whole Ukraine crisis going on, uh, Andrei Yarmolenko, his family was stuck in Ukraine at the time, um, and it was a it was a very difficult time for him. He hadn't been training and stuff, and he decided he was on the bench. I thought he's not going to come on, is he? And we were playing Villa at home, and he come on with about half an hour to go, and the ball was passed him on the edge of the box, and he's taken one touch and has banged it in the bottom corner, and I. I've just never seen a whole stadium just in shock and just absolutely thrilled for one guy. I mean, even even the Villa fans were clapping because it was just an incredible moment and it, it was so emotional. It It's the kind of moment that is why we love football. It, it, it kind of descends boundaries. It, it, it's something... It's, it's kind of... It's languageless. It's... Everybody loves it. And moments like that remind you partly of how great football is and also that there's more important things in football at times as well. And there I, are, I, I completely agree. And you sounded emotional even explaining yeah. it there, Rich. But yeah. I fully get it. And 
I remember watching the game and 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 seeing the goal as well and feeling absolutely like made up for him as well. So similarly, I can only imagine as to what you would be feeling as as a West Ham fan. But also, as you say, just as a human being and understanding the significance of it. So yeah, I fully I fully back both of them. I think they're both uh, amazing choices. Um, and then, Kiz, I'm going to come to you. Spurs. Oh, have you got I, one, or have you I've got two? I've got one, but there, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it to one. But there, there are there are a few that I could name, like the Champions League semi final. You're just like going to name drop a few I'm, in before I'm, you give I'm, me your yeah, one. Yeah, I'm just, I'm just going to name that one. Everyone knows what happened that night. But uh, I'm going to go for one where I was sat in the away end that night on a Thursday, a cold Thursday night, early January, after a after it being postponed with COVID, sitting in the away end at the King Power Stadium, a game where we played really, really well against Leicester. I don't even know how we were in the situation we were in, being 2-1 down with, well, seconds to go. Obviously, Stephen Bergwijn comes on. He gets that equaliser in the 95th minute and we're all going mad in the away end and thinking we've, we've nicked the point, we deserve more. We haven't even stopped celebrating that goal yet and there's like some collective like come-ons and I, I turn and look and Bergwijn's just one-on-one. I, I couldn't understand how. And then he just rounds the goalkeeper and puts it in and you score two goals in the space of 30 seconds. Turn the game around, it was just unreal scenes really like, like Spurs fans like tumbling over the barriers onto the pitch falling over seats in front of you and it was just like just now probably one like the biggest turnaround I've been at yeah um, I again unfortunately remember that game I was on the way back from somewhere I can't remember where listening to it in the car and it wasn't the main game on the radio it, there was something else on and they said oh we've gone we're, we're going to go over to the Tottenham game and they said they brought, Spurs have brought a goal back it's 1-0 and I was thinking oh that's annoying it's a draw and then, literally, as just as they've left them describing how it was 1-0, they went, and there's been another goal uh, at the Spurs game. And I was thinking, oh, no, surely not. And they've come back and it's 2-1 Spurs. And I thought, that's the first thing I thought was, oh, I bet the webs are going mental. And that's the first thing that came to my head. I just bet, I was thinking to myself, the webs are out that game, I bet they're going mental. And it seems like you were, so fair play to you. Similarly, I would have done the same. I would have been exactly the same. Another close uh, one to that was the City away game last year, which was also very similar. Just not with two late goals, just one late goal. <laughs> yeah, fair enough. It sounds like you know, in the recent past, you've had some very, uh, some very good games you've been at. So yeah, fair play. I think, I think all the all the games and all the moments you've mentioned are uh, are well worthy of of that being uh, of favourite moments. Now, mine, I've got two. Uh, two-ish for different <laughs> reasons my first one um, was from 2006 I believe so quite a while ago um, Ipswich playing Southampton and it was a day that I was mascot uh, for Ipswich which um, was obviously very fun because obviously I was I think I was yeah it would have been 2006 so I was eight at the time so um, obviously met all the players and I've still got all the pictures of me having a kickabout on the pitch with them just for the the uh, the kickoff and actually there's a picture of me where all the players are getting in their positions and I've tried to sneak in at centre half at f- five or probably under five foot of me at the time just m- meandering around at the back with the two six foot five centre halves which I had at the time unfortunately I got taken off uh, I thought it was a bit off but um, we ended up winning that game two 0 and I've still as I say got all the pictures and, and memories from that day so that was amazing 
And my second one was um, probably about four years ago, uh, an away day at Millwall. Um, and this mm-hmm. the reason I picked this one is for a variety of reasons. There's a lot of emotion that went through at different parts of this. So I was on the train, um, we was a bit late and uh, we're one nil down before I've even got to the game. So I'm thinking, that's a disaster. Then we get off the train and uh, I'll speak to a random member of the public and say, oh, excuse me, um, how do I get to the away end? And he said, oh, if I'm honest, mate, I'd have to go that way because if you go this way, you're going to get killed. So at this point, I was a bit worried. I worried for my safety. And then all of a sudden, the person I'm running to the ground with, I says, oh, we've scored one all. So you're thinking, oh, this is amazing, one all draw. When we get in the ground, at least we're on level terms as we get in. Uh, as the game unfolds, it's free all. Um, free all with last kick of the game. We've got a free kick just on the on the touchline. Um, Ipswich, historically, very, very poor from set pieces. So I'm thinking nothing's going to come of it. Um, it's whipped in. It's flicked around in the box and our right back prods in to win 4-3 of the last kick of the game. Flares go off. Everyone's running about. As, as you identified, limbs are flying about. And I look over to, to the to the Millwall main stand uh, where I'm greeted with sort of six or seven ten-year-olds giving me cutthroat uh, sort of um, threats. Um, which I just think summed up the day, really. Um, but the jubilation of winning 4-3 was amazing. To be, to be told that if I don't go uh, the normal way, then I'll be killed. And then to be offered out by some 10-year-olds, I just think sums up what football is, really, I guess. But that was a, that was a fantastic day. And as I say, I'm hoping this year that there'll be a few more jubilant days for Ipswich Town. However... Oh, I think we'd all agree they're all amazing, amazing examples of sort of uh, limbs and jubilation for our teams. But what, unfortunately, I don't think there's been that many in our memories or in our lifetime of international uh, moments. I think for me, there's there's a couple. Um, England beating Germany three two, but in a fr- I think it was only a friendly match. But I I put a cheeky little. Tenor on at half time. It was the first bet I'd ever put on in my life that England would win and Harry Kane score. And I remember Eric Dyer nodding in uh, the 3 2 winner uh, in injury time and and going mental because I'd won my first bet. I sort of won myself a little hundred quid and I thought it was the best thing ever. So that was my first one. And my second one um, as a game would have been the Columbia penalties because I knew historically England have been really bad at penalties. And to have that jubilation of nearly winning it in, in in normal time and then, you know, how the game unfolded and, and then Jordan Henderson missing and Eric Dyer somehow sliding into the into the goal. I don't know how it still beat Ospina, but that was that was uh, crazy. And I remember being at the cricket club watching that. Um, and then other moments that have got me have been um, the England 2-0 uh, versus Germany as well. But Richard... Name me some moments that have really stuck out for you internationally. I mean, I think we're right. In our lifetime, there haven't been as many as we'd like. Um, but, I mean, the Kieran Trippier uh, goal in the World Cup semi-final, I recall being very lively at the time. Um, and also the, the Luke Shaw goal in the final against Italy. I think... As an England fan, I mean, we all sing this song, like, who's coming home and stuff like that. 
Um, but I think that was actually the first time anyone actually believed it, certainly in my lifetime. Um, and I just remember everyone just going absolutely mental. And it, it, it was obviously heartbreaking in the end that those moments like that, as an England fan, it's just they just don't get any better than that. And hopefully we have more to come this, uh, this year, later this year. But, yeah. Um, yeah, no, 100%. And we're hoping going forward that we'll get a few more of them. We've, You know, it's not been bad in the last few tournaments, obviously getting to a final, losing, getting to a semi and losing. But at least we're having some of these moments and it would be nice. Just imagine the scenes of England <laughs> if we actually won one of these competitions. Because some of the scenes I've seen with us getting to the final and losing and even to the semi-final and losing have been amazing. I just can't imagine what it would be like if we won. Uh, the competition so yeah I'm hoping for that to happen soon and Kieran what about you? Obviously it's uh, I enjoyed I'm not a massive fan of the international game I do prefer the club game but I I watched the tournaments obviously the the trippier free kick was class I didn't play for Spurs at the time that made me quite happy and obviously the Luke Shaw one was probably the biggest goal celebrated for England to go and mentor I remember I was having some uh Quarantine, so I'd been in contact with a with a COVID case, which was frustrating having to watch it at home, just with my family. But it's what it is. Uh, and also, I'd, I'd like to state that a couple of your happy memories of England, uh, sp- spring uh, Merrick Dyer at uh, the Master Centre back. <laughs> I mean, also, it was more out of surprise <laughs> Eric Dyer scored that penalty more than anything. And also, I think it's uh, it's hard to look past the England ladies winning the Euros not too long ago. Absolutely, and the jubilation of uh, of again, we were we were watching a little bit after after the women's uh, cricket uh, competition, and not a lot was going on, and we were going to meander on into town because we expected it to be nil nil by the time we got there, and literally as we left, one nil to England, and we we're thinking right, let's get a move on, let's get there, and we're thinking this is the time England bringing it home, and then conceding, and thinking Germany are now going to go on and win this two or three one because. England women looked tired, looked exhausted, put a lot in. And then to see the ball just scramble around the box and Chloe Kelly sort of toe pod it in, I was thinking, oh, if only, if England, you know, it was just one of those things where actually the crowd in where we were walkabout was going mental and it was brilliant to see a part of that. So, uh, yeah, I'd completely agree with that as well, mate. Um, but yeah, no, I think uh, all of those moments we've, uh, we've sort of, Suggested have been, you know, uh, all well, well worthy of mentions, and and hopefully uh, it won't be too long before there's more things to mention. But um, yeah, I think uh, some interesting points on today's podcast. Now, one thing I'm going to say before we finish is this: uh, I've had a few messages from uh, listeners asking how they can get involved with the podcast, how they can uh, come on and share their views. I've, you know. And that from a variety of people, you know, supporting different teams, all the way from uh, Carlisle, um, teams teams in Scotland. I've had someone um, who's uh, an Inverness Caledonian Thistle fan oh. who's messaged me saying, could they share their views? Now, I need a little bit of time to uh, brush up on my uh, sort of understanding of the Scottish football. But uh, absolutely, absolutely. If you would like to join the podcast, 
uh, Richard and I will be more than welcome uh, or more than happy to welcome you on and Kieran as well and um, it'd be interesting to speak to some some new people and get some new you know some new uh, interests um, in, in, in different leagues and hopefully get some different viewpoints because as you say I think sometimes if you speak speak to me I've got one viewpoint Kieran's got a viewpoint Rich's got a viewpoint but it'd be nice to experience some more viewpoints so um, yeah if you'd like to join send me a message on the socials that this goes out on and uh, we'll be more than happy to get you on and uh, yeah so thank you Rich and thank you Kieran for joining me and hopefully I'll uh, speak to you soon thank you yeah thank you